Well, good morning, community of faith. How are we doing this morning? Doing okay? You're here? You're at home? You're watching? Uh, I'm excited that you're with us. You know, it, it's so interesting because you look at churches and they're all so very different. There's some churches that are kind of like on the far right. I think probably most out in suburbia, you know, kind of on, pretty far on the right. And, and um, you know, then there's churches that are maybe in the heights and other places. They're a little more on the left, you know. And uh, it's actually not that hard to pastor one of those kind of churches because you can kind of have your talking points, right? But you guys are so interesting. And, I, and the reason why is because we have endeavored from the very beginning, 18 years ago, when we started in our living room, to, to reach people that aren't believers yet. And uh, that was many of you when it, when it first started out. And then some of you that are believers have joined in on the same mission, you know. But you know where you find people that aren't believers? Well, you find them on the far left. And those of you on the right are going, yeah, those communists, get them, right? And then you find them on the far right and those of you on the left are going like yeah those good old boys you know they're probably not believers they just think they are right and you look at that and and so we've got this diverse group and it, it's just been super interesting um watching you guys and 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 it's been really a kind of a difficult ride to 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 know how to walk through this together because you know I talked about how we have these, th th this little world that we live in and, and it defines us and it's based on our experiences and, and it's really hard to, to see other people's you know, point of view. I, I know that um, I, I loved last weekend, we had Jerron and Jonathan and Johnny uh, up here with me and Wes and, and we just shared from our hearts and shared from our, our stories and, and some people actually got pretty irritated. Some people uh, walked out. And then Wednesday night, uh, the same group again we shared. But this time I found out, you know, I'd asked a few law enforcement to be involved with me even on the weekend so we could have perspectives all the way around. And then I, I found out they couldn't really do that because they're, each of their, uh, you know, their, their, wherever they were working said you got to kind of toe the company line. So I asked for anonymous stories from them. And... and words from them and and I read some of those and I think some people might have got irritated about that I know some of you last week well I came back to celebrate and I get that and we it was our first week back but there was a, a large portion of us our family that was in mourning and the Bible says to mourn with those who mourn and so you know I mean and by the way can you really have a celebration without donuts you know I'm not sure that 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 qualifies you know but People have been saying to me, Mark, in all of these things, left, right, black, white, all these things that are divided, you have to pick a side. And I agree completely. So I'm going to pick a side this morning. Are you ready? In fact, the Bible says we have to pick a side, and the Bible is emphatic about it. You have to pick a side. Most of you in here are going, I, I think I've already picked my side. I know what it is. I know where I am. I know you know, what's going on, but hold on, let's see what the Bible says this morning, okay? We're starting a, a new series in the book of Joshua, and I'm really pumped about it because it's going to speak to exactly where we are. In fact, 
in Joshua chapter 5, we see that the children of Israel have miraculously crossed over into Canaan and they come up against their first big obstacle, Jericho. Jericho. Joshua, the leader, has snuck away from the camp and he's out kind of scoping out Jericho and he's looking at this city, this impregnable city, this imposing wall that no one has been able to defeat. It's towering over him. And if there was a fortified city in his day, I mean, this was it. All the sophisticated weaponry of that day. It was in lockdown because they knew the Israelites were going to attack, so they had gathered all their food in. It was right after harvest. They had a spring that was inside the city, so even though the wall surrounded them, they could stay there. In fact, some historians believe that they could have undergone a siege and lasted five years with all the stuff they had inside the city already. And I want you to see what Joshua saw. Take a look at this picture. This is the walls of Jericho. They're like double walls, okay? And show the next picture. It starts with like a little retaining wall, which is higher than you think, like 15 feet. And then this other wall that'll come up like 26 more feet. And then there was a earth in between, a rampart in between, a rampart, and it went up to the next wall. The, the total height of the second wall from the ground was 46 feet, historians and archaeologists tell us as they've gone back to dig through that. So five stories tall, this wall, okay? And it's impossible. I mean, literally, it's impossible. They're, they're not, how are they going to get through with the weapons that they have? So Joshua is looking at this Jericho, and it's, it's just getting bigger and bigger in his, in his eyes. He's staring at Jericho, this impossible thing. You know, as we're living in this pivotal time in our country, where are we headed? Are we headed into chaos? Are we headed into anarchy? Are we just going to try to keep the status quo? None of those things are adequate. None of those things are where we want to be. Like, like Joshua, we have this impossible task before us. And God tells us as the church that we're to be a place of unity and harmony and peace. How in the world can we do that? When we are having such different mindsets inside of each one of us and a different way of looking at the world, how in the world do we do it? Let's find out, okay? In Joshua Chapter 5, verse 13, it says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, this is after he's snuck away from the camp, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Now, it's interesting because the word for man here in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, ish, is a different kind of word. It means a champion. In fact, when I think of this man Standing there, he's like not just a man, he's a champion-looking kind of man. I think he probably looked a little like Brad Pitt and Troy, you know? And, and he's standing there, and, and show that other picture too. He's got his sword drawn. I mean, I would not want to see that guy, okay? And uh, he's not moving. In fact, when it says he stood, it means to take one stand and not 
move. And so he's there with his sword drawn. And it's interesting because the, in the scripture, the drawn sword is, is an instrument of impending judgment. He would talk about, the prophets would say, and the nation has this sword hanging over them. Impending judgment. I wonder about America today. Do we have a sword hanging over us? You know, Is that part of what's going on right now? God's judgment on us as a nation. Because, you know, we look at our, uh, our money and it says in God we trust, but we don't, right? It, it, we say the Pledge of Allegiance and it says one nation under God. And we're so far from under God that we have splintered into so many different things. The Lord is with me like a dread champion, said Jeremiah the prophet. And that's the picture. It's like he's, a, he's like Brad Pitt, but like blow him up about, you know, eight feet tall, you know. And, and he's with, he's there. He's the dread champion. In fact, it's interesting because what we're going to find out is this was Jesus in, in, a, in an appearance before he ever became a baby. You know, he lived before he became a baby in Bethlehem, right? God has always been. Jesus has always been. And and. and Theologians call this a, a Christophany. It's when Jesus appears, you know, in, in, in another form in the Old Testament. So here he is, and I don't know about you, but if I saw that guy with the sword drawn, and I'm standing there, and he's like 10 feet away from me, I would go like, I forgot something back at camp. I, I'm out, you know? But that's not what Joshua did. Joshua walked toward him. Got, he's got courage for sure. And he walks to him and he says this. It says, and Joshua went to the champion and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And the word for adversaries is sar there. It means our oppressor. Whose side are you on? You know what the champion said back? No. Well, that wasn't even a question, was it? Are you, uh, which side are you on? No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us have been spending most of our days lately looking at a wall of impossibility. The good news is that when God wants to do something impossible or miraculous, he starts with impossible. You see, the real battle of Jericho wasn't with the Canaanites that lived in the city. The real battle of Jericho was in the hearts of the God followers, the Jesus people, the, the, the Israelites, because they had to decide if they were going to believe God or they were going to believe their feelings because they felt pretty shaky I'm sure would they believe God and his word or, 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 or would they believe what they could see with their physical eyes would they trust God despite their feelings I don't know about you but sometimes it, you look at the news and things going on and even with the, the pandemic before we started everything else and that was the whole world just kind of feels like a shaky place around us some of you have lost your jobs some of you have lost your 
security. Some of you have, have lost your sense of place in this world. Where do I stand with my friends? Where do I stand with, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out right now. Hebrews chapter 11, speaking back to this Old Testament thing, says it's by faith. Joshua walked around the walls of Jericho and they came crashing to the ground by faith. But where did he get this faith? What is, what is this? Where, where do we find the faith in, in this impossibility in front of us? Well, it says it here. It says that Joshua lifted his eyes and looked. He was looking at Jericho and he was looking at this impossibility in front of him. You know what happens when you do that? When you look at your impossibility, it just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Until it's overwhelming. Some of you are just totally freaked out right now because of what's just looming in front of you and you're saying, I, I can't figure this out. I don't know what's gonna happen. What's gonna, we're just, and you're scared. And it says that Joshua looked away from Jericho and he looked, he lifted his eyes and he looked and saw a champion standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. He looked away from Jericho to something else. And, and don't miss that because as long as we're looking at our problems, then what we're doing, we'll end up telling God how big our problems are. But when we look away to the dread champion, to God himself, and we begin to focus on him, we'll start telling our problems how big God is, you know? The reason I attend worship services, the reason I read my Bible every day, the reason I meet with other Christians in small groups is because it helps me to look away from my Jericho. These, these, these giant impossibilities that are staring me right in the face. So where do we find the faith? Hebrews 11, by faith they walked around the walls and they came tumbling down but Hebrews 12 says looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith he's the one who who gives us the faith he's the author and the finisher of our faith he starts it he finishes it keep your eyes on him see Joshua saw a man standing before him he didn't know who it was at first he just saw he's ready to fight and he wants to know whose side he's on. Joshua doesn't get the answer he was looking for, expecting. In fact, Joshua gets a pushback that stops him in his tracks. No, said the man. No, said the champion. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. In other words, Joshua, you wanted to know if I was on your side or their side. And you're hoping I'd be on your side because you know you need help. You're in over your head for sure. You got Jericho facing you. you. You're hoping I'm gonna come along and help you with it. You're the commander of the armies of Israel and you want to command me to help you and to fix it and to make it go away and we would all live happily ever after. But no, that's not what I've come to do. In fact, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. The question is not whose side are you on because I haven't come to put myself at your disposal so you can accomplish your agenda. I'm here to accomplish my agenda and I want you at my disposal. You're not in charge here, Joshua. I am the commander in chief.
And that answer stops Joshua in his tracks. He, he realizes he's asked the wrong question. What about you? Have you been asking God to get in on your agenda? God, I just need you to fight with me on this. I need you to, to you know, you see what I, I, I'm, I'm shooting for here and I need you to go with me on this. Um, God, I'm really asking you, just get on, if you get on track with me here, we're gonna go, we're gonna really go. And it's kind of like Jesus is like the divine pharmacist, you know, delivering the meds you need. Or, or, or maybe he's the interior decorator doing a little bit of makeover. You know, if you could just help me a little here or there. But Jesus stands here as the dread champion this morning and he says, no. That's not why I've come. Not so you can tell me what to do, but so I can tell you what to do. As the commander of the army of the Lord, I now come. And Joshua responds to this jarring answer what does he do he what does he do does he say i'm confused i don't no he realizes suddenly that this is god and joshua 5 4 says joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and he said to him what do you command your servant my lord a christophany jesus the dread champion before he became flesh and dwelt among us he made this appearance and Joshua falls on his face and he says, not my will, but your will be done. What can I do? Maybe we need to fall on our face like that right now. Maybe we need to realize, did you know that God's got an agenda in all of this? See, there, there, there are many agendas out there all the time. And you know, some things that even start out pure get hijacked by agendas. I mean, I don't think it was anybody's agenda to have a rapper in charge of Seattle right now, except maybe a few people, you know? And, and, and you look at that and it's like, what in the world is going on? And now they're, they're saying like some bikers are gonna come and take over Seattle from the rapper. They're gonna have a war or something. I don't know what's going on. It's like, I'm expecting like Kurt Russell from Escape from LA, that old movie way back. It's just like a, a, a crazy picture. It was all, it was just nuts. And I thought, now it's happening in real life. But did you know God has an agenda? Did you know God has something that he's trying to do? Do you know what it is? A lot of us go, yeah, I think, I, think I, I mean, my agenda is God's, no. Have you gotten on your knees and said, God, what's your agenda? Because you see, God's agenda might not be for us to flourish as a nation in the near future. Sometimes he would take a nation low. What if his agenda is not to restore our economy anytime soon and it's gonna be really tough, a great depression for the next decade or something and that's God's agenda. Are you cool with that? Uh, oh no, that's not the agenda. I don't want you know? And God, if that's gonna happen, could you tell me so I can pull out my stocks right now? You know? Um, here's the thing. God has an agenda. Do you know what it is? You can only know it by getting on your knees, by falling on your face. Forgive me, Lord, today. I, I'm changing my prayer today, champion. Not what I'm asking, but what do you want? You have to show me what you want. You resolve this in any way that you see fit. Lord, I'm just available to you, I choose a side. I choose your 
side. Not left, not right, not black, not white, not socialist, not capitalist. Your side. Now his side says, let justice roll down like, like thunder. His side says, I want to see this great shalom come over the land, a peace that is a, a holistic kind of peace. Maybe we just need to stop telling God what we want and start asking God what he wants. Did you know that we do that in prayer we do that as we get on our face. We do that as we get on our knees before God because he's done this thing that he's teaching us as his church to rule and reign forever with him. And how he does that, he does that through prayer. Did you know that? Through prayer. What, what, what he'll do is he'll, uh, he, he, he'll say, to one of us, this is what I want to do. And then you pray and ask for it, and he does it. He doesn't just do it without you. He's trying to learn. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to help us learn to cooperate with him so that when we get to heaven and we rule and reign with him, and he goes, okay, Mark, I want you to go out and make this crazy new universe, but stay in contact with me and my will and my way. I got it. I know how to do that. I've been practicing all these years of my life. But see, we, we don't realize that. And so his church is so powerful, and yet we don't, we don't walk in our power because it's on our knees that we have that power. So Joshua falls on his face and he says, you're the commander, I'll do whatever you say. What do you want me to do next? And you know what the commander of the Lord's army said? Take Jericho, get your sword out and... Get, you know, and you, no, that's not what he said. He said something really weird. So here's Joshua. He, he's a soldier too. I mean, he's not even, he even walked up to the command. I would have run the other way, but he's, he's a soldier. And he says, it says, the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you're standing is holy. Well, so first Joshua looks up, then he falls down. Now he he takes off his shoe. And that's interesting because I don't think that's what Joshua expected at all. In fact, I'm like, what? When I'm reading this, you know, Joshua's a warrior. He knows you get your boots on and you go to war, right? And it's so interesting because this same verse, it was almost exactly like this when God said to Moses in front of the burning bush, take off your shoes. But he went plural with Moses. He said, the place you're standing is holy. With Joshua, he said, take off your shoe. Your one sandal. I, I want you to stand up with me for a minute and take off one shoe, okay? I, I'm gonna take off my right shoe. You can take off the one you pick, okay? No, come on, come on. Take your shoe off. Woo, kind of wafts up here a little bit. Okay, now I want you to imagine going to battle. Here we go. Here we go. Got this. I got this. Do you see what's happening? You're weaker than you've ever been. You just took your shoe off. That was... That was a, not a good move. Okay, now you can sit back down. Please, put your shoe back on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't leave your shoe here. But here's the thing. The shoe symbolized something. Did you know that? The shoe symbolized something. We see it in the book of Ruth. When, uh, 
<laughs> By the way, you know, it's been this funny, I've, I saw this uh, Instagram post that has all these pastors in their expensive shoes and they've been, you know, calling them all out. Nobody calls me out for my $30 specials from the outlet. Um, but the shoe meant something. What you would do is if a man died and he left a wife, a widow, then the brother was supposed to marry the widow. How would you like that, you know? And, and whether he had a wife or not, usually, I mean, maybe it'd, have, it'd be an extra wife or whatever. But there was something you could do if you were the, bro, if you were the brother and you saw that the widow over the time that all this was taking place had fallen in love with someone else. This happened with Ruth and Boaz. Ruth's husband died in the book of Ruth and Boaz, he was a rich man, he fell in love with her. But there was another guy that was closer relative and he was, had the right to marry her. And so he took off his shoe and he handed it to Boaz. And we're going like, what? <laughs> Okay, whatever, you know, nice shoe, kid, you know? No, it meant I give up my rights to marry Ruth. I give it to you. I give up my rights. I give up my rights. I don't know about you, but this is gonna be the hardest thing, maybe, hardest thing I've ever done, hardest thing you're ever gonna do. You take your shoe off and you say, I give up my rights to you. I want to be on your agenda. Let me ask you something. If you're here and you're black and you say, I give up my rights to you. I want to be on your agenda. Do you think the dread champion doesn't have your best interest at heart? Do you, don't, do you think that he can't fight for you better than you can fight for you? Because I'm telling you, he loves you. He sees you. He calls you by name. You're here and you're a law enforcement officer and, and, and you think, well, everybody's, everybody, I've given my whole life to this and everybody's against me and I don't understand. And can you give up your rights? You think God can't take that and make something amazing out of that? I don't know, I don't think, that, I don't like, I mean, you're just talking about status quo. I'm not talking about status quo. I'm talking about God's agenda and his agenda moves. You understand, right? His agenda moves. His agenda is not something that, that, that doesn't do something miraculous and change, change everything. That's what he does. So, he gave up his rights. Then he says, I want you to march around Jericho seven days in a row for six days, one time. And so this is what they do. I mean, this doesn't make any sense at all. You wouldn't do this if you hadn't given up your rights, okay? You'd be going like, ah, that's, I don't think so. And then he said, on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. That's a pretty long way, okay? And then I want you to march around seven times and then I want you to shout, a shout of belief, a shout of victory. Now, usually we don't shout until the home run is already hit, right? We don't shout until the touchdown is already made. But he goes, I want you to pre-shout. Do you believe me? Do you believe I can do this? 
Now, I know already we have all kinds, of, you know, what do you know? How, how can you say, I, I, I'm not speaking for me. I'm not speaking from my per- perspective. I'm not speaking from my agenda. I'm not speaking, I'm trying to say God has an agenda for you, a plan for you. Let, let me just tell you, show you how God does it. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus shows us the way to hold God's agenda and to hold that love at the same time, God's love. In John chapter 11 in the New Testament, Jesus is teaching and in another place called Bethany, his friend Lazarus, who he loves like a brother, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, he he loves like sisters. And I mean, they're probably the closest people on earth to him, but his own family and and Lazarus is sick and the sisters send and said, Lazarus is really sick. He looks like he's gonna die. Hurry, get here, heal him. You can heal him. I know you can heal him. And you know what Jesus did? He got that message and he just stayed where he was two more days. And he told his disciples, I'm staying here. This is God's agenda. And then he told them after two days, he said, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciples were like us, you know, they're going like, well, if he fell asleep, that's a good nap. Maybe he's feeling better and he'll wake up and he'll be refreshed. Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. And let's go to Bethany. And they're like, but he's dead, right? And he says, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there so that you can see the power of God. Because God had an agenda. God already knew what he was going to do. And so Jesus goes to Bethany with his disciples. Martha's the first one out. She sees him and she said, oh, Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. Her agenda, right? Jesus, get here and heal my brother. If you had just been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. She goes, I know. I know you're the, I mean, everybody, you're gonna raise people up on that last day. He goes, I'm the resurrection and the life, and I'm here. And then someone tells Mary, whispers in her ear, the master's here, he's asking for you, and she runs to him. And when she gets up, all of the mourners, they think she's running to the tomb again to cry because they've been crying for four days. Now he's been dead. And they all follow her, but when they get, she comes to Jesus, and all of a sudden, oh, it's Jesus. And she says, with tears pouring down her face, Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus looks at her face with the tears pouring down, and he looks at the people. Their tears are falling down. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Why? It also says he got angry. What's he angry about? I think he's angry about the human condition. I think he's angry that we've actually brought all this death on ourselves, that we have this separation that happens. That was not like what he intended in the beginning. He was angry about that. But he also wept and he just kept crying. But he knew what he was going to do. But he's crying. Why is he crying? I probably would have gone, you bunch of whinies. Morons. I'm here. I'm Jesus. I'm going to raise him from the dead for Pete's sake. Quit whining. That's not what he did. He saw how much they hurt and he goes... I hurt with you. I want you to to just get that for a minute, okay? Right now. I mean, last weekend, 
when Johnny and, and, and Jaron, Jonathan were sharing their stories, I heard it. It brought tears to my eyes. I feel it. When I was reading some of those letters from law enforcement who had said, I, I, I'm a good guy. I, I, I love everybody and I've given my life. I never know if I'm gonna come back from, you know, I, I leave every day. I don't know if I'm gonna live through the day, come back and everybody's spitting on me now. It brought tears to my eyes. But the thing is, the dread champion who's got an agenda and he knows what he's doing, he hears you and he sees you. And your mourning is not in vain and your crying and your tears in the night that you think no one sees, he sees and there are tears in his eyes. The Bible says when we get to heaven that God himself is gonna pull us up on his lap and wipe every tear from our eyes. I just wonder though, you know, sometimes I cannot remember when I'm getting ready to leave my grandkids in Denver and I'll pull one of them up on my lap and they'll kind of be crying because I'm leaving. But I, I, always, I always tear up. I'm one of those granddads that can't help it. I try not to because I'm trying to, sh and I wipe the tears from their eyes. But you know, they reach up and Wipe the tears out of my eyes too. Think about that. Doing that for God, with God, with you, with your story. He gets it. He sees it. He's not deaf or blind to it. He knows. So I want you to think about this for a minute because... If you're like me, we've all kind of had our agendas and some of those agendas are quite important. Not making light of. There's some things that God wants to do in our country. But you know how he does it? Through us, his church. And he does it in ways that we don't expect. See, we think we can see, oh, here's the way. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. What he wants us to do is say, you're the commander, you're in charge, here. Some of you might be saying, if I do that, change is never gonna happen. Where's your faith? Do you not know how much the dread champion loves you? Do you not understand how much he cares? Do you not know that he's just been waiting for you to place yourself in his hands and say I submit to your agenda and then he can move like only the champion can move they marched around that seventh time they yelled out a cry and you know what if God hadn't come through if he hadn't told them to do it already and they just made it up they would have looked like idiots Ah, and everything just stays the same that's not what happened. It's like the walls were smashed flat. Like some big old angels on the top just stuffed them in the ground. 
And it's interesting because the Bible says they ran up into the city. You remember how it was? So the walls came come down. It made almost like natural ramps in all these places for them to run into the city and take it. God knows what he's doing. But it doesn't look like our agenda. It's his agenda. His ways are higher than our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth. So I guess I have a question for you. Wherever you find yourself right now and all that's going on, for some of you it's going to be harder than others because we're talking about rights. It's important. But I want to tell you the most important thing we can ever do, all of us, every single one of us, regardless of skin color, regardless of political persuasion. Champion, dread champion. This is so far beyond us. This is so far beyond anything we can do. This is so far, I I just wanna know what you want here. I submit to you and I ask you, Do what only you can do. You see, it's time to choose a side. Oh, we're pretty solidified. I've got my side. You've got your side. I've got my side. And the dread champion is saying, no. I have come. I am here. You get on my side and watch what I want to do. Will you do it? Won't you just close your eyes with me? Maybe you just want to grab your shoe in your hand and physically hold it out. You can do that. Maybe you just want to figuratively do that I've been thinking about having a place in the back of my closet where I just put one of my shoes to remind me every time I go in there ah I already gave that up I got on his agenda God wants us to be on our knees what does he want to do early church was bringing lawsuits against each other and doing all kinds of things. And Paul, the apostle, he said to them, do you not know, believers, that you will judge the angels? What are you doing with each other? I want you to get on your knees and find the power that God intended us to have to bring heaven to earth right here. Come, kingdom of God on the United States of America. Be done, will of God, on the United States of America. What does it look like? I don't know. If we're on our knees, he'll show us so that we can pray even more clearly. But it might not be what we want. Maybe he has to break us first. I hope not. Father, we're yours. Father, we give ourselves to you. Dread champion, Jesus Christ, we give you our rights. We're on your agenda now. As community of faith, 
We're on your agenda. We will walk with you. We will do what you say to do. Your power is made perfect in our weakness, and that's a good thing because we're stumbling around right now. Come and be who you are. We invite you in. We invite you into all of this that's going on around us. We invite you in to the chaos in downtown Seattle. We invite you into all the hurt and all the feelings and all the, the, the difficulties and all the injustices. And we invite you in to our own personal griefs. Come and be our dread champion and bring us the victory as we stay on our knees with you. In Jesus' name, amen.